You are listening to Quarter Rest, the music podcast that sends your ears on vacation. I want to take a moment to tell you about another podcast the fans of this show might enjoy. It's called Kick the Jukebox, and like Quarter Rest, it is a highly eclectic music podcast. Every episode, Kick the Jukebox does a deep dive on an album, song, or artist. They've covered music of many different styles, and the two hosts have a great dynamic that keeps things interesting. I'm especially impressed by the music knowledge these guys have. It really puts mine to shame. Kick the Jukebox will soon be starting its second season, which will be all about the history of disco. Even if disco isn't up your alley, I still recommend giving it a try. You might learn a thing or two and maybe even discover a few hidden gems. Check out their website, kickthejukebox.com, or find them on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Oh, and P.S., there may be some collaboration between our two podcasts coming in the near to distant future. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back, my friends, to the show that seemingly never ends. It's Quarter Rest, and welcome back to another exciting episode. This week, I spoke with Hilary Capps, a pop singer-songwriter from the Big Apple, that's New York City, to those of you not in the know. We talked about music, we talked about coronavirus, we talked about producing, all sorts of crazy little goodies in there, in your goodie bag. So I want you to sit back, relax, grab a drink, and enjoy the show. All right, I am in the virtual studio. We are nowhere near each other, and yet our voices sound as though we are in the same room with Hillary Caps. She is a, a native Vermonter, I believe. Is that correct? Indeed, yes. Hillary is a native Vermonter uh, who I guess is sort of a reverse flatlander now living in <laughs> New York City. Correct. Queens, to be precise. Um not that precise, of course. It's a big city. <laughs> and Hillary is a pop singer, songwriter. Anything we could add to the list? Um, that's pretty much it. Pop singer, songwriter is the main spiel. I do, I do a bit of dancing, but I wouldn't call myself a dancer. So, <laughs> Is your dance part of sort of your stage act or do you do dancing outside of your music? You know, um, I've done a smidge of dancing uh, during the stage act. I was about to get into that a little bit more, and then live shows became not a thing anymore. <laughs> so more to yeah. explore with the live stage dancing. But um, yeah, more of a side note. Yeah. Okay. It's a hobby. It's an interest, but maybe not uh, on the same level as the other things. Totally. I mean, it's definitely integrated, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to with the music video stuff. Um, but yeah, more of a hobby. All right. So, uh, Hillary, how's New York? New York is the best. <laughs> um, I love New York. Yeah. A lot of people are saying New York is dead right now, and I don't agree. <laughs> Who's saying that? I don't know. Fox News. <laughs> oh, well, you know. <laughs> Who credible is saying that? Nobody. Nobody. Not enough people. Exactly. Yes. I guess New York now is being portrayed as filled with uh, Antifa violence and... Uh, uh, I don't know. Coronavirus. But I mean, yeah, how long 
I mean, there's a little bit of that. There's a bit of that. (laughs) Especially the coronavirus. How long have you lived in New York? I've lived in New York for 13 years now. So when did you first move? I moved here um, the end of 2007 for college. I went to Wagner College on Staten Island for my first year of New York life. Um, And then I've moved all around since then. Okay. So you were only at, at Wagner, is it? Yeah. You were there for a year? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I moved here, um, went there as a freshman, um, found myself very much so wanting to be just immersed in the, in the city. And so I, you know, I was doing an internship in the city and taking the, um, you know, the shuttle to the ferry and then the ferry to the subway, um, three or five days a week. And I was like, I should probably just be in the city so I can avoid this commute. But yeah, Wagner was beautiful. I went there on a vocal scholarship. Um, and then I decided to, take a year off. And I lived in Park Slope in Brooklyn for about a year. Uh, and then, um, did some traveling, went to Morocco and then I came back to New York, um, and transferred to the new school, which is where I graduated. So I was living in the West village for like three years and studying music. And they have a good music program there, right? They do. Yeah. I went to the liberal arts school, Eugene Lang. Um, and I took a lot of classes though at the jazz, the school for jazz. You're not a jazz musician at this time. Um, I mean, I feel like it's always with me for sure. And it comes out in certain inflections with my, with my vocal work. Um, but no, that is how I started because my dad is a jazz guitarist. And so that's kind of how I like got my, you know, got my performing legs or whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, singing at weddings with him and, and all of that. But I, haven't done I did a few jazz albums and then I've ever since like towards the end of college I, you know I joined a, a rock band and I um started getting much more into songwriting and leaning into more of the pop singer songwriter stuff which I've of course found to to be my passion and what do you think accounts for that that shift away from jazz is it just less suited to your your voice or less suited to your style or do you like to express yourself through songwriting and don't really have as much of an option to do that with jazz. Yeah, it's the latter, exactly what you just said. I think that I actually find that my voice is very suited for jazz, sometimes even more so than than pop. And a lot I get that a lot from people when they hear me sing jazz or like, oh my God, like you should do that. Um and I will always love doing that for sure. And it feels very different to sing jazz than it does to sing pop. Mm-hmm. But I think for me songwriting became the thing that has resonated with me the most. And so it really was the element of, of writing songs as opposed to singing other people's songs that are really in jazz a lot, a lot of the time, very old. <laughs> so, I mean, classics, yes. like love them, love standards, love the great American songbook, um, and loved learning those songs. And you can become a better singer from those songs, I think, but I definitely wanted to, um, yeah, it just, it became a little bit more cathartic and more of a expression of myself in, in, in songwriting and simultaneously singing. You said it feels different to sing jazz. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for the less jazz inclined people who are maybe listening? Definitely. I mean, I think with jazz, it's an exercise because the melody, the melody lines are are different than you find in pop. Pop is much more repetitive and uh, streamlined, and you know, on the on, always on the root. Whereas jazz is, you know, a little bit more exploratory, especially with for a singer with with mel- with melody. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, adding sevenths and ninths and, and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, it just, I definitely can't like scat like Ella Fitzgerald or anything like that. I give those people the, the biggest props because that's something that I've never been able to, to conquer. Um, but yeah, it that, is amazing. It's amazing, right? It's yeah. amazing when it's well done. Yeah. Especially someone like Ella Fitzgerald, just a master. She is like the master. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, never been able to quite to quite conquer that territory. Always sounded a little bit ridiculous getting <laughs> attempting to. <laughs> um, but but nonetheless, like yeah, I think it's just there's um, there are more places to go um, with the melody in in jazz somehow, um, and whereas with pop music, uh, there's a little bit more of a map, I think. So, in terms of your pop songwriting and your pop singing, who? do you look to who are your pop heroes yeah um i would say my biggest influence has always been sarah Bareilles. are you familiar with sarah Bareilles? i'm not she is a wonderful singer songwriter who kind of came to fame i think around 2007 or 2006 some, somewhere in there i was like a junior or senior in high school and i remember driving my car and listening to her album a little voice for the first time and being like Oh, this is what I want to do. Like it was like a big moment. Um, I just love her songwriting so much and she's an mm. incredible singer. Uh, and she has like, she has this sort of diverse career ever, ever since then. She's, uh, I mean, she did three or so albums, uh, toured a lot. And then she actually went into the Broadway world and she wrote, she composed uh, a musical based on the movie Waitress. Um, and she's written a book and she's just like, yeah, she's a very talented human and I really resonate with her songwriting style. So I think that she's probably the biggest influence that I've had um, and who I probably get compared to the most. Like it definitely comes through in my stuff, I would say. And then, yeah, others sort of along along those lines, like Ingrid Michaelson and Feist and yeah, sort of the like female singer songwriter land. And then, uh, you know, older influences too. Like, I mean, I, my, my dad was always playing the Beatles in our house growing up. And so like the Beatles are within me. And I, I think that they're a bigger influence than I, than I think, you know, I think they come through and, <laughs> and, you know, like I don't like actively try to write a song like the Beatles and how could you? That's just probably nobody does. And yet they probably do influence just about everyone writing music today. Exactly. Yeah. They're like one of the biggest influences. Of Almost unescapable. Exactly. That's a good word for it, for sure. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a few of them. And I'm always, I'm, I'm always discovering new people as well that are influencing my style and making me want to try new things and explore new territory. Like, you know, people that I wouldn't necessarily compare to my style at all. Like, Bon Iver, for instance, I love hmm. so much. Um, and I think he's just an incredible, incredible artist and just like soundscape person. And um, that has influenced me as well, like Radiohead. Um, but my music doesn't sound like them. You know what I mean? I just like, yeah, it's it's in there somewhere and I'm inspired by them. But I don't think I could ever, you know, even attempt to to replicate something that sort. Or would you probably want to? Their sounds are pretty, pretty patented. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't. Of course. Um, I definitely, I feel like with this, with this, um, latest collection of, of songs of mine, I've, 
kind of settled into my my own sound more, which is nice. Like I've taken the, these different influences and they've, um, you know, from jazz to Sarah to Bon Iver and whatever. And I've really sort of settled into my my own sound. And um, yeah, it's I, I was about to say the word like authentic or authentically me, but I don't even know what that means anymore because we're just like a collection of of the world and and other people. So that's a whole other philosophical conversation. (laughs) Hello, folks. I'm here yet again to offer an apology for the contents of my last episode. You see, in my last episode, I advertised for a company called Crystals R Us, which I believe to be a reputable wholesaler of crystals of power. Now, let me back up for a moment. I've been learning an awful lot about the power and majesty of crystals in these last few weeks. And let me tell you, it's like a full-time job. There are so many intricacies and nuances to take care of, it can be quite overwhelming. But it's like this. First, there are crystals that do nothing for you. Crystals with no power at all. They have about as much meaning and power as a speck of dust on the floor. They're just pieces of crap. They're just turds, really. Pretty turds that do nothing for you. They belong in the ash bin of history with... uh, Bell bottoms? I don't know. And then there are crystals of power. But of course, not all powers are created equal. And at the risk of sounding like I'm offending the brand, the crystals sold by Crystals R Us are a little bit dark. A little bit sinister. They're devil crystals. They're crystals of the devil. Make no mistake about it. They look beautiful. But these crystals will do horrible things for you. So just case in point, Shortly after making my purchase from Crystals R Us, I succumbed to the power of a dark lord, a sort of crystalline entity that took hold of me in ways I never could have imagined. He told me to do things, and he threatened me if I failed to fulfill his most egregious desires. But that's all in the past now, and thankfully I found a wonderful new company to sponsor called Crystal Fountain. Let me break it down for you. Crystal Fountain sells crystal goblins, crystal ghouls, crystal demons, uh, crystal uh, leprechauns, uh, crystal snake goddesses, a whole host of various sort of crystal beasts and birds, which could truly bring meaning and pleasure to your life. They will make you happier. They will make you run faster. They might make you a better lover. And certainly... They will bring love and light to your heart. So I highly recommend Crystal Fountain for all your crystal needs. They're just some of the best. And now, a word from our leader. I am your leader. You must let me Mister, get the leader all your toys. Now we'll say what I want. Hi, welcome back to Quarter West, the best podcast and day world. All right, so we are recording on October 20th. As of this point, you have a pretty new album out. I do, yes. came out on um, October 16th, a few days ago. So the album is called The Way Back Home. It's got an interesting album cover with you holding a glowing orb that I think may be the sun. Is that the sun? You know, it's it's the sun or the moon, however you want to think about it. I I definitely... I think of it more of a, of a moon vibe, but it 
I wanted it to be. There's a lot of moon related. Yeah. A lot of moon related content. <laughs> a lot of moon imagery going on. Yes. Throughout this whole album cycle, for sure. Um, but I didn't want it to look exactly like a moon. I wanted it to be, yeah, just sun, moon, light orb, a little bit more general. How long were you working on this album? Too long. <laughs> um, no, I I was working on this album for um, almost the production of it for almost three years, actually. Um, so the album, a couple of the songs on the album are actually like, like finish line, for instance, which is one of the tracks on the album is like seven years old, which is crazy. Like if I were to tell my younger self, like just writing the finish line that it was going to come out seven years later, I would have been like, what? (laughs) Get your shit together. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, life happens and there are a few, there's a few songs that like for that one, for instance, um, I kind of had moved on from and then I like and then I had a new I had a manager at the time that was like, oh, my God, I love this song so much. Why don't you play this anymore? Um, And my producer agreed. And so we just kind of like plucked it back out from obscurity and and included it on the album and and, you know, refreshed the the production of it. So there are a few songs like that on the album. But um, yeah, the production of it started started about three years ago or it'll be like three years in this this January and yeah, we recorded, we just recorded very gradually. Like we recorded the, the drums, um, in January of almost three years ago at a beautiful studio called Vinegar Hill Sound, um, to get all the live drum stuff. And then we did the rest of the album between our home studios, our home studio, and then my producer's home studio. Um, just, you know, we, we all have like full-time jobs currently, hopefully not <laughs> forever. Hopefully we'll move into you know, just, just music and just producer at some point. But yeah, we, you know, we're working around life and schedules and all of that. And so we, we just kind of made, made all the songs gradually. And I'm really happy with how they, they all turned out, even though it took maybe a a couple years longer than I thought. (laughs) Who produced? Uh, His name is John Patrick Roberts, and he is a wonderful producer um, he also has his own l- new label called Villainy Records, which I'm on, um, alongside two other artists. And he's just like in the process of kind of building that up. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, originally a, a drummer, but has become, you know, a wonderful multi-instrumentalist and, um, really took this album on as like his own passion project as well, which I'm very grateful for. And, um, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool collaborative process. All right. Well, let's listen to a song from the album. Let's not keep the the listeners hungry for too much longer. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's start with, so (laughs) we were both kind of jokingly mentioning that there's a lot of moon imagery on the album. So I think we should start with the song, You Could Be the Moon. It has moon right in the title. Sounds great. All right. Let's give it a listen. You could be the moon tonight. You could be the sun Burning tomorrow We've been running farther and faster And they could believe Would you be reckless with me? I've been drawing ragged circles Round and round my mind In a shapeless night
This was the first song I chose that I wanted to play. It was also one of the first ones I listened to and, and right away was just grabbed by the hook. And that's actually maybe more than one hook, but, uh, it's a good song. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. So is this a more recent composition? This is actually one of the, one of the older ones, um, that I, that I wrote, I want to say five years ago. Okay. Well, at, at this point, um, yeah. So it's been, it's been with me for some time, but even so, um, it's still, I didn't originally have the idea to like sort of base the moon release theme of the album a- around this song. And this song is like kind of what sparked that, which was, which was cool, which was something that probably wouldn't have happened if I released it five years ago. So during the chorus, is that a cello or a bowed double bass or is that a synth? I'm just curious. Um, it's, it's a probably both. Um, but it's all, um, it's all synth though. It's all, all okay. the strings on the album, except for the way back home. Um, the title track has a real cello in it. Um, Oh no, actually, see, this is what happens when I record the songs over a long period of time. I forget, I forget these little details, but no, there's actually, there's cello in the, in You Could Be the Moon as well. There's, um, synth strings as well as, um, uh, yeah, a very low bowed cello. Yeah. During the chorus, unless it's somewhere else. Chorus, exactly. Yeah. And it's like underlying the chorus and it sounds really cool. Uh, I, I really like the, the, the low end on this track is very big. Was this a uh, an intentional decision? It was. That was a John. That was a John decision. Um, and originally, this song, yeah, the chorus when I first wrote it was very different. This song actually, I think, does have a little bit more of a jazz inflection to it, um, or it did. Anyway. Yeah, a little bit. You can hear that a little bit, right? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, in the verse especially. Totally, totally. Um, so yeah, that history of mine definitely comes through this song um and the the chorus john ended up making it a little bit more low-end pop i think with uh with those strings like he wrote that string arrangement and um played some of it himself and then we had the real cello come in and and add to it as well tiger darrow Mm. is her name the the cellist who did a couple of songs for me um yeah so it was yeah it was definitely definitely intentional do you remember what inspired the lyrics for this song yeah um it was a mix of things. I, at the moment, wanted to, like, the sort of, you know, the the end of the chorus line, like, will you be reckless with me? Um, I was feeling very, like, scheduled and sort of, like, on this straight and narrow path. Not straight and narrow, but, like, you know, just... Um, Overly routinized. Yeah, that's well said. Overly routinized and just, um, yeah, constantly, constantly on the go and working towards what I wanted to happen, which is important, of course, you know, working towards my goals and also making money and all, and all of these things. Um, but I was like really wanting to just have a moment to do whatever I wanted to do or just like take, I don't know, basically this sort of, um, you know, vacation a mindset or just like literally forget about all of the the elements of life that that have to happen and just um you know be be reckless not necessarily in a negative way um <laughs> you know, but a benign know. recklessness exactly exactly um and i think that yeah you could be the moon you could be the sun is just like you can be 
you can be whatever you want to be, but also like take a, take a moment to, to just also forget about it and live in the moment. And I think that theme comes through in a lot of these songs throughout the album. All right, let's, let's do another tune. Cool. All right. This one's called magic. Do you, do you have anything you want to say before we listen to it? Anything we should listen for? Um, nothing to listen for. The only thing I'll say is, um, yeah, it's a song about believing whatever you want to believe. Ooh. Okay. Let's give it a listen. So very different song, very different arrangement. The strings are, or at least the cello is gone. Indeed. And we've got that, that kind of cool, uh, keyboard sound that's running through the, the song. Yeah. So when you, when you were recording this album with your producer and coming up with the arrangements, 
how much of it was coming from you? How much of it was coming from the producer? Or was it all sort of collaborative? Well, so I'll say that this song is sort of an exception because this song, um, I actually, actually it was the one song that was not produced by John. This song was okay. produced by Anthony Farina, who is my husband. And he was not at the time. We just got married. <laughs> but Okay. Um, he, yeah, he's like my musical partner and we actually recorded this song, um, as a demo and we thought that it was so good <laughs> that we just, as it was, and it didn't sound like a demo that we would just put it out. Um, and so I actually put it out as a single a few years ago, but I always had the intention of it being on this album. Okay. Um, but I just happened, but I wanted to, to get something new out there at the time. And, and so I just went ahead and and released it. And I'm, uh, I'm very glad that I did because it's the song that's done the best, um, out of all the songs so far. Anyway, the, all the new, you know, the album just came out. So well, time, time will tell, but, um, oh, so this one has performed the best in terms of streams, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of the numbers, in terms of the numbers, <laughs> that silly stuff. Um, but it has reached, yeah, quite a few people on, on Spotify particularly, which is, which was nice. Um, That's and, great. But I'm happy to be giving the song a new life with it being on this album. Um, but to circle back to your question, um, yeah, uh, it was a it was a mix. I think that it depend it totally depended on the song. Like for instance, with um, Unfold Me, which we'll which we'll get to, um, I believe John was that was one of his favorite tunes, and he really took the reins on that and like totally changed. The whole um, production of it, you, the song used to start with um, a a guitar line intro, and instead, you know, he took he you know really went back to those strings and and created a, a different dynamic for it. So it really depended on the song. Where like that was really more him, and then um, Neon, for instance, was more um, was more more me, uh, kind of coming from my perspective and really leaning on the the format of the demo for that one. But yeah, I really, I, I kind of, in the beginning, we, we went through all the songs in multiple rehearsals and, um, figured out the tempos together and all that stuff. And I told him the sort of vision or feeling that I wanted from each of the songs. And then kind of, you know, he kind of just ran with that. Now, why do you think magic has done so well compared with the other songs? Um, I think that one thing I've learned about magic, um, is that I think a lot of people are drawn to the more delicate nature in my voice. Um, and I also think, I think it's a mix. I think it's that, um, like sort of the, this chill, relaxed, um, a falsetto, uh, almost like, you know, it kind of lands with like that Billie Eilish vibe um, that's very pop, very popular right now. Mm-hmm. And then just, yeah, the production of it as well. I think that Anthony, um, it was a, a newer style of production for him at the time that he was experimenting uh, with. And it just, uh, yeah, those things collided and we we made some magic, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> um, has it been featured on on playlists, things like that? I know that can sometimes help with a song's popularity when it comes to Spotify it was, yes. That's um, what really helped kind of like get the ball rolling with the song. It was placed on um, Chill Vibes and Fresh Finds Pop and Discover Weekly and then a bunch of like listener playlists as well. So um, 
yeah, still, still my most popular song. And, um, I have some, some other songs that, you know, of course, throughout the, the process of making this, this album, I've still been writing. And so I have some other songs that lean in the the magic direction as well that I'm excited to dig into. I think I'd like to talk about Spotify a little bit because it's, it's such an interesting, I mean, it, it's, it's now how most people listen to music. Yeah, it is. It's Spotify or other streaming services, but Spotify is by far the biggest. Yeah, definitely. How do you feel about using Spotify as a, as a musician and sort of having to, to go through this one platform? How do you feel about Spotify in general? I had a lot of mixed feelings about it when it first was shifting to everyone listening to Spotify. I was like very frustrated um, by it just because of the, you know, extremely minimal amount that you get paid per stream or like basically not getting paid. <laughs> so but the amount that you are not paid, the amount that I <laughs> would not be more paid. accurate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for those of you who don't are not aware, maybe it's uh, it's about half a cent per full stream. Um, and so obviously that is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that is, that is very challenging. And the more, you know, the more you think about that and go down that rabbit hole, the, the, you know, it can, it can make you, um, angry for sure. Um, but on the flip side, you know, we're, we're so far down this streaming path and, and beyond now with TikTok and all of these things, mm. um, that, I think in order to be successful, like you, you kind of have to make the most of, of the situation. I'm not in a position where I can, can make any, you know, changes to, to the way that people are listening and consuming music. And so as an up and coming musician, I just want to, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of rolling with, um, the positives of Spotify. And, and that is exactly what I mentioned before, which is, you know, it 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 is also a window for discovery. It is a great discovery tool um, yeah. in in terms of the playlists and stuff. Like I I personally have discovered a lot of artists that I love through listening to Spotify playlists. And not everyone listens in that way, but I am one of those people. And so I think that um, it is valuable in that way as well. And if you are lucky enough to be on enough of these playlists, then you can begin to generate some income between that and a combination of all the other things. So it's just gigging and merchandise and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. And all, and the other platforms too, like, you know, getting people to, to listen on Spotify, but then like, Oh, if you liked this, if you streamed it and liked it and saved it, I love it. If you'd go over to Bandcamp and like purchase the track for a dollar or whatever. And, um, and then you get those, you know, a couple of, really diehard fans that'll that'll do that which is amazing um yeah yeah that combined with with merch and touring hopefully eventually again (laughs) you mentioned tiktok i am what you call old um too old to know anything about tiktok me too joe oh my god (laughs) how are musicians using tiktok i'm curious I am far from an expert on this yeah. right now, let me tell you. Um, but I, through the little bit of research I have done and the maybe six TikTok posts that I have put up, um, because I feel like I have to, which is uh, another thing. Um, 
basically there's a few, yeah, there's a few ways, but the main way is that the for you page, I believe, um, is, you know, when you're scrolling through TikTok and it's hashtagged for you page and it, and it has, um, your original audio or like the audio, um, from your song, which, you know, when your, um, distributor sends out all your music to Spotify and iTunes and, and whatever, it also goes to TikTok. And so like all of okay. my sounds they're called are on TikTok for people to use if they want. Okay. So you can like go on TikTok and you can use my sound in your video, like whatever, oh. whatever video you want to create. And so, um, then if people, you know, if that person has a lot of followers and all those people see that my, that you, you see the track of the mm-hmm. song in the video. And so then they, they can use it or they can be like, Oh, I like that song and go listen to it or whatever. Okay. Um, gotcha. And yeah, and then of course there's always just like the viral nature of TikTok videos in general, and yeah, that's what happened with like WAP and all that, all that <laughs> silly stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a whole other beast that I have not even become close to um, conquering yet. But um, I I did notice in like putting up a few videos that it was, you know, I literally just joined TikTok, um, calling, calling myself out here, letting you all know how old I am that I just joined TikTok. But, um, and, you know, putting up a video with like basically no followers, I, you know, it got like 500 views or something, which doesn't happen on Instagram or anything like that. Like you wouldn't get like, not, not that 500 views is a, is a lot whatsoever that most of these videos are billions of views. I'd be happy to get 500 views. Yeah, exactly. Like with no, like literally just from random people watching it as opposed to like needing to have followers in order to have people watch your video. So that is an interesting thing about it that I've found and would like to explore more. But, um, and I do enjoy like scrolling through TikTok because some of the videos are just hilarious, you know, not not related to music necessarily, but (laughs) it's very entertaining and you can get lost on there for quite some time. I Um, think that's what it's designed for. It sure is. They did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. They know how to keep you scrolling. They know how to get you. Circling back a little bit to Spotify. I know one of the big things in the music industry is the move away from albums and towards singles because mm-hmm. singles are more Spotify friendly, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they allow you to sort of spread out your engagement with your audience over a period of time, as opposed to releasing an album where you drop a bunch of songs all at once and they, and they potentially get lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. And yet here you are and you're a, a pop artist and and obviously in pop music it's like even more a thing to do singles. Right. But you have released a full length album so I'm curious what was your your thinking behind that and uh but it seems like you also released a lot of these songs as singles. Do you want to like maybe just briefly touch on your approach in terms of releasing this music? Totally. Um yeah, so I released this album in a in a very different way than I have from my my past I have one other um album of originals out that I put out in 2013 um that so so for this one I circling back to the moon I I used you could be the moon as a jumping off point um for the theme and I I found like throughout the course of 2019 that I sort of like learned to 
I became more of a hippie than I already am. And I learned to like listen to myself um, in, a, in a new way and learn to like follow, um, sort of sync my life with the moon, which is kind of crazy to think about. But like, you know, the, the different phases of the moon, the new moon, the waxing moon, um, at three phases within that, the full moon, the waning moon and the phases within that, and then the, um, the, the new moon again. Um, the, they all have different like spiritual meanings and they, the, the moon is a cycle and like life is a cycle. And so I kind of like really got into that in, in 2019 in a variety of ways. And it really informed the decision to put the album out. I went, I was like, how can I put these songs out? Like, should I put them, should I put a single out exactly how you were saying? Like, should I just put a song out? Um, and then put the whole album out or should I like do just every single one as a single so that right. it's more of the Spotify path. And I kind of found this like middle ground with the moon stuff where I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a cool thing where I'm going to sync all of the songs um, with the moon phases. <laughs> and so I put like together these four mini EPs, new moon, waxing moon, full moon and waning moon, they're called. And they each have like two to three songs on them. And the songs on those albums represent uh, the spiritual meanings of the the moon. So like lyrically, I paired them. For instance, um, new moon has slow motion and you could be the moon on it um, because it's kind of about like new beginnings, new intentions, fresh start, the lyrics, um, and then and so on for each for each one. So I yeah, I kind of like landed somewhere in the middle there where I would put out like two songs and then another three songs and then two songs. Um, so it, it did kind of end up being more like the single path in that sense, mm -hmm. you know, just like gradually releasing the songs. But, but culminating in a full album. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and the full album had, you know, had just one song, the intro ancient place that hadn't been released yet, but everything else had already been released. And it's just like a way to, you know, show that this is a body of work and, and grouped them together so that, I don't know. I tried to get like the best of both worlds, but to be honest, like it was uh, a weird year to, to test something out like this, like to put <laughs> out, um, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's been a weird year. I think we can agree on that. I think, I think we can. Yeah. From, from all sides. Um, so it wasn't, I, I don't know. I don't have the answer of like what's better or like what I would recommend even because I, I don't know if it like, if it worked or like. You know, like it didn't, it, it, I didn't get on a, um, I got on a, some playlists, but like not, not like magic did. And so I don't know if that was because of 2020 or if it was because if it was the music or like, I just were very hard to, um, very hard to know, <laughs> um, based off of this year. But like I said, you know, the songs were in the work for, works for such a long time that I, I just had to go ahead and get them out there into the, into the universe, um. But, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just, it's hard, it's hard to say because a lot of people do gravitate more towards singles and there's a lot of people that only like to listen to music in that way. As a musician, I love listening to an album, you know, like, yeah, I, me love, too. I just really appreciate the li the, the album format because it tells a story and, um, you kind of get a window into like this portion of this artist's life or it could, right. you know, it could be a month it could be several years like like mine was whatever it is but you get 
you know, it, it's an, it's sort of an arc and a, a more of a specific sound before you move on to the, the next one. And I have found, yeah, I just love, I love, 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 like finding a new album that I love and listening to it over and over and like finding new beauties in it as I, you know, go to the second and 15th listen or whatever it is, you know? Right. Um, and so I, yeah, it was important to me to put all the songs out as a full album. And I, I hope that, um, uh, musicians continue to do that and that they, I would hope that there's like kind of a, um, resurgence of albums and, you know, people loving full length albums again. We'll see. All right. Let's listen to another song off the record. So this one is called Unfold Me. And let's give it a listen. Light comes in and floods the floor. You're standing there, smiling at the door. Why'd you let him in? You were fine before. Now you got this fever. Won't let go.
okay, again, this is a different song than the other ones we've heard. Um, how was the process for coming up with the arrangement for this song? Um, this song, let's see. This song, John had just kind of a magic moment with, which I remember him texting me about um, or talking to me about in some way. And was and he was like very excited that he discovered a way to make the song sound slightly less, if you can believe I mean, it's very much a pop rock song, this song, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was even more so. Like the drums were a little bit more aggressive and like the guitars were like very rock oriented. And it wasn't um, like we love this song so much just because it's just kind of a bop. Like it just got a vibe to it and it's just, it's just kind of fun. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, more, definitely more of an up tempo. Um, I mean, it's not up tempo, it's mid tempo, but it feels more up than a lot of the songs on the album. It's upbeat. Upbeat. Ex- exactly. But yeah, it wasn't quite right. It wasn't quite landing with where we wanted to in terms of genre or whatever. And so he had this moment where he was like, I'm, I got rid of the guitars in the beginning and I, f- came up with this really awesome string intro and like strings into the chorus. Um, Mm, yeah, the strings into the chorus are really cool. It's cool, right? I'm glad you think so. The big orchestral sweep leading into the chorus is great. Yes. Sweep is a beautiful word. Um, yeah. And so he was so pumped to, to find that and to write that. And I was like, oh, okay. Can't wait to hear it. And he was like, it's a little bit like what a hip hop song would do. So I don't know if you're going to like it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was, a like, bit. I was like, okay, okay. I was like a little nervous, but then I heard it and I was like, oh, hell yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. This is really great. Um, so those moments throughout the album and especially with that song were, were really fun, um, to like hear the way that, um, the production can come together so differently than you would have imagined it. Like I wouldn't have written that for, I wouldn't have, I didn't even have that in mind for the song. Um, mm. so that was a, that was a really fun process. So that's really the power of collaboration. You get ideas that you wouldn't have thought of. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for people who can do all the things and can self produce and, and, and all of that. Um, which, you know, like for instance, ancient place, the intro, like literally it was just me. Like it, like John mixed it, but like it was like just what I recorded and pre- performed or whatever. And so there That's are, cool. th- there are moments for that, you know, um, where it's really like just you. But then, you know, you also, I think collaboration is so, so important. Um, and I want, I actually want to do, do more of that. Um, and even widen it up a bit more, the process. Um, because I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And that was a, a good example of it. Widen it up in what sense? Um, like instead of, you know, I mean, I would like to like have a lead producer like John, but, um, uh, you know, have more people integrate like different, you know, more co-writing. I think that mm-hmm. like a lot of the songs, this song, I'm very proud that I wrote all of these songs except for, um, last call was co-written with Anthony, my husband. Um, okay. But beyond that, I wrote all the songs. And so I'm very proud of that. But I also think that, um, just as with production, with writing, you know, you, you can find these like beautiful moments that you wouldn't have otherwise with a song when you're collaborating. And so I think that I'd like to just, yeah, get more into co-writing and kind of widen it up in that sense. Um, and then, yeah, if there's a song where you like kind of get stuck with the production or something, um, being able to bring in another producer or two other producers and like see whose vibe wins (laughs) is also kind of fun. So, um, yeah, that's what I mean by that. 
how do you tend to write songs? Do you write at the piano or do you write at a guitar? Those tend to be the instruments people use when they're writing songs. Yeah, I kind of circle around between three, the guitar, the piano, and the ukulele. Um, okay. So it depends. Like I'll sometimes be like just, you know, craving to sit down at the piano and feel very cathartic and like, you know, write a piano ballad or something or attempt to. Um, <laughs> and then if that's not working, then I'll be like, okay, then I'll pick up the guitar. And then if that's not working, then I pick up the ukulele. And there's sort of those sessions sometimes where I literally like loop around to all three. <laughs> like when I'm like, when I'm very determined to write something um, that ultimately usually works out at least for a portion of a song. Um, but it also, yeah, it just depends what mood I'm in. Um, I, yeah, I'm like, just depends if what, what the day is where, which instrument I start with. Does the instrument you're playing kind of have an impact on the way the song sounds? Like, it sounds like maybe if you're in the mood to write a ballad, you're going to gravitate toward the piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it definitely does. Also, I'm not, um, I'm very much a singer before a instrumentalist, for sure. Like, I use the, the, the instruments as a songwriting tool and I'm decent at all of them, but I'm not, um, I certainly am not a piano player. I'm not a guitarist. Um, I just, you know, I play them good enough to, to write music on them. And so I think that that also informs the process because I do have some limitations to be completely honest when it comes, um, to, to the instruments. And so I think that, um, yeah, the, the mood and the, the instrument, uh, the, the technique itself informs the, the songwriting as well. All right. Well, speaking of ukulele, you were going to play a song for us, weren't you? I was. Yes, definitely. I'm going to play um I'm going to play my song Neon, which is on the album. Let's hear it. Awesome. Find me sitting by the lilac trees. Dreaming about her and who she'll be. Could you give me just an hour? Just do nothing like we used to do Oh, ooh, ooh, 
to hold her hand while she's brand new. Our patience now don't make a sound. Let me wear my phosphorescent crown. They may not remember you. So why don't we stay just a little too long? Why don't we play just a little too hard? And why don't we fall in love just a little too far? Then wrap me in neon. Wrap me Ukulele has become really popular lately, don't you find? I do find that, yes, definitely. I think this past decade, actually, or half yeah. a decade anyway, that the ukulele has definitely had a resurgence. And now Fender has a, a Billie Eilish signature ukulele. Did you know that? I just saw that on her Instagram, actually. I was like, oh, wow, okay. It's it's going to make, it's just going to keep... Keep going up now, all those ukulele <laughs> sales, you know, because she's ginormous right now. So. She's huge. Yeah. I'm not totally sure what the necessity of having a Billie Eilish signature <laughs> ukulele is. Me neither. Because it does just look like a ukulele to me, but it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, If it whatever. gets young people into music. Oh, yeah. Sign me up. Then why not? I totally agree on that for sure. And the ukulele is like the best tool for that too, because it's so easy um, to learn. And it's, yeah, it's a really good songwriting tool. Like I feel like I've written not just, you know, songs like Neon that, that, that do stay and end up being a ukulele song, but I've written other songs on the ukulele that turn into other songs that are not ukulele based, but it's just a good tool for songwriting, which is, which is cool, especially for young people. What was your live show like back when you were able to perform live? Yeah, it totally depends on the venue, but if we were if we were doing a like a full-fledged show, like one of my uh last shows. Well, no, I had I had a had a few shows in in February and March, but I had a really fun show in January 
um, at my favorite music venue, Rockwood Music Hall, which is in the Lower East Side in the city. And we uh, we played, they have like three different stages there. And we played stage two, which is a lot of fun, really beautiful room, always great sound and uh, very small stage. So not a lot of room to move around, but still enough to like make it a full band experience. And so mm-hmm. we, um, yeah, for that, it was, uh, we did a, f- a five piece. It's usually a five piece, including me. Um, so I, I play, um, usually, yeah, ukulele on neon and then guitar on like one or two songs. But for the most part, I'm usually just like singing for shows. Cause I like to just be more performative, um, mm-hmm. and be able to integrate other, other stuff. And then I, I lean on my amazing band, which is, uh, Anthony Farina, my husband, uh, Matthew Watanabe plays, uh, keyboards for me. Um, Lavando Thomas, uh, was on the bass, um, and also bass synth. And, um, and then we have, uh, Josh, um, Bailey on, on drums. Uh, my record is, uh, Vince DeRosa. Um, but Josh Bailey has been doing live drums for us recently. And, uh, and then for, I mentioned bass. Already. Yeah. So that's the five of us. And so, yeah, we do track sometimes if it's, if the vibe is right. Um, and then sometimes I'll bring up guests like, you know, Tiger on the cello or a, a background vocalist or two, um, if we're really going full effect. But a lot of the gigs I play are also just, um, you know, acoustic. Like we'll just play, you know, we have a favorite bar that we used to do a series at a bar called Basic that we, we did a monthly songwriter series. Back to the basics, um, where we literally just <laughs> yeah, we couldn't. The couldn't, joke writes itself. I mean, we couldn't not call it that. You of know course. what I mean? The bar is called basic, so um, <laughs> we just uh, yeah, we we rolled with that, and we just yeah, it would just be like ukulele and, and guitar, and we'd invite a different um, singer songwriter as well. So it'd be two sets, like someone we invited and then me, and um, that was really fun. That's cool. Yeah. So obviously, that's not happening now. Unfortunately, not not at the moment. You're based in New York, and New York was the early epicenter of COVID. Can we just talk a little bit about what it was like going through that really hairy period in the spring living in New York? Absolutely. Yeah, it was scary. It was scary, and it was very weird. Um, I was very fortunate to... I actually was already working from home. Uh, I work in event production as well as music. And so I was working from home prior to um, sort of everything being shut down. That's very good luck. Yes. And so that was good. I mean, definitely a lot of my productions got canceled. And so that was not (laughs) working working in large scale event production. Um, Luckily, a few things did go virtual. So that's good. But um, yeah, so that was... um, yeah, so it was it was an easy enough adjustment tr- for for me um, in that sense, but it was very weird to you know New York is known for just being this like thriving, constantly bustling area, and so it was very creepy to just um, to go out yeah. to to go out like in the beginning it was just like once once a week that we'd go step outside to like go grocery shopping and then um, to sure. to get some fresh air or whatever. Um, and it was weird to like see everything shuttered and just just very sad and d- disheartening, of course. And just thinking about um, everyone throughout the world experiencing the same thing was just um, so horrible. Obviously, I mean, I don't. Everyone listening knows I don't have to go into that too much. But um, New York, yeah, it was it was weird. And then the past few months have been um, much better, um, and everyone has really rallied and done the things that that need to be 
to be done um, and been pretty diligent. And we've, yeah, we've been able to like have outdoor dining again and things feel a little bit more normal. Um, but yeah, it was very, it was very weird in the beginning. But we also, you know, <laughs> I'm also, I'm in a, another band, my little side project called Painted On, which is myself and my husband as a duo. And our songs are a little bit more, um, I don't know, in, in indie electronic um kind of alternative um stuff and we okay. during quarantine uh just like hunkered down and we actually wrote a f- and finished producing a, f- a full e- ep a six song ep um and which is exactly the opposite of the process of this album <laughs> you know like taking lots of time with it and so for this so it was very it was pretty amazing to just like have the time with uh, my husband at home to just create music. So there was a sort of silver lining in that sense. That's great. How do you see things going forward in New York? Gosh, yeah, I think that I've been I've been seeing a lot more outdoor shows happening. I wish that um, winter was not a thing <laughs> because if not, I would see like a, that becoming. And a scene in itself, like making outdoor concerts, um, you know, instead of like this festival style thing, like I would, I, I think that a lot of cool venues would open up outside maybe and yeah. like there's more, more of that integrated into the mix, which maybe will still happen. I mean, we have, um, you know, a few more months of a month or two more of warm here and then this, you know, the spring as well. And so hopefully I think, I think either way, we'll probably see more of that, you know, just like more outdoor acoustic shows and kind of outdoor community arts events and things like that. Um, which is, which is cool, which is a nice, another sort of silver lining with the venues. Like, I don't know. I think some of them like Rockwood, I played a virtual, um, a virtual concert on their Facebook page. Um, and they're doing, uh, concerts also in the venue with like just, you know, just the artists on stage and then streaming it to, I think, Twitch or something. Um, and so I think that there are people that are through fundraising tools and the online shows and stuff are able to, to stay afloat. Um, but I, yeah, I'm just kind of like crossing my fingers for all these venues that they don't have to close because it's such, a, it's literally like the most important part of, New York for me is being able to go see live music at my favorite venues and like play live music at these wonderful venues. Um, and some of these venues have been there for a long time. The decades. Yeah. They're steeped sure. in history. Absolutely. It's really sad to lose them. Yeah. They're like little, little landmarks. And so, yeah, it, I haven't heard of any of my like staples closing yet, which thank goodness, knock on wood for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think that we're on a, a good trajectory, um, not to get too into politics or anything, but hopefully, like, we have a new <laughs> president soon who will be a little more, um, you know, scientific and, and not to get into careful, politics, but, <laughs> but we need a new president, <laughs> but we need a new Reagan president immediately. And so, yeah, as long as we go that direction, I, I, you know, I feel positive about, um, the resurgence of New York. And oh my gosh, when, this is, you know, AKA over or like there's a vaccine or whatever it is. And we're able to turn a corner and venues can open again. Like, oh my gosh, it's going to be insane here. Like everyone is always going to be out at the venues and there's going to be, it's just going to be really very exciting. And so I look forward to that day. Do you think there's a lot of pent up demand that will kind of be unleashed when yes, th- yes. this is over? I do. I mean, I feel that way personally anyway. Like I can't wait to just like 
go rock out at a show. Literally any show. It could be any genre. Just like get me inside like a dark, sweaty room with, you know, I don't even drink really that much, but like just like give me a PBR and like some a guitar amplifier. And, yeah, exactly. And just like some shitty lights and sign me up like I'm ready. <laughs> so I think most people probably feel the same way. I think there are a lot of people who are looking forward to that day. I bet you are too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the best, right? Of course. It's great. I love going to music. And I even like having my ears ring like the rest <laughs> of the night. It's part yeah. of the it's part of the the package. Oh, that's so funny that you mentioned. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, I haven't had that sensation in like a year now. That's nuts. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've had proper tinnitus from an overly <laughs> loud bar show. Never thought that I would want that to happen. But yeah, sign me up. <laughs> it's, the, it's the little things that we end up missing. Exactly. 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 That's And that's what this whole little album is is about it's appreciating those little those little moments where you like that feels like home to me right like just going to listen to music like with a couple of people um those are those are the moments you know that's what it's all about all right the album where can people find it just once more again in case anybody missed it absolutely yeah it's called the way back home and it is out on all the things you can uh, stream and download it on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon. Um, if you want to purchase it through iTunes or Bandcamp, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, and always lots more music in the works to come as well um, from both me, Hillary Caps, and also my my project Painted On. All right, Hillary, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for playing. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. This was so much fun. And that's our show for the week, folks. I sure hope you did enjoy it. A big thank you to Hillary Caps for coming on the show, playing some tunes, and letting us play some stuff from her new album. Go check it out, please. A big thank you to my producer, Alex McNeil. A big thank you to my graphic designer, Graham Bell. And a big thank you to you, dear audience member, for tuning in. Now, if you want to support the show, here are a few things you can do. Please, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Leave a review on iTunes. Check us out on social media and feel free to send some messages by email. It's joe at quarterrestpodcast.com. Keep it civil, folks. We don't want any incidents. This is the leader and he is tired and he needs to make a nap. Now can I listen?